0: Football season will be here quicker than you think. When planning your football trips, we know that one of the biggest pains is arranging your pregame tailgate party. This season, let GridironTailgates.com take care of all of your tailgating needs. They provide everything for your large private party, including a party tent, tables, satellite TV, catering, a personal bartender, and set up and takedown. Visit GridironTailgates.com and enter promo code PAC12PAC12 to receive 10% off your group's next tailgate or call 303-359-5328. GridironTailgates.com are here to make your tailgate experience easy, affordable, and enjoyable. Again, that phone number is 303-359-5328. GridironTailgates.com. Enter code Pack 12 Now available in more homes than the PAC12 network, we are the podcast of champions. I it
1: back down to the 30, or down to the 20. Oh, the band is out on the field! I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner,
0: gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the podcast of champions. Welcome, everyone, back to Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24 7 Sports Network.
1: And I am Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com, the USC site on the 24 7 Sports Network. And together we are the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac 12 football. If you want to find all of our old shows, I know we got some new listeners out there. So our website has all the old shows archived, Pac 12 Podcast. Dot com. If you'd like to tweet at us, we like to do the Twitter, uh, at Pac-12 Podcast. and We now have a Google voicemail line uh, and also a text line. We got a bunch of texts this week. Uh, no voicemails yet, so, so well, this week. So send us some voicemails. You can call in or text us, 424-532-0678. Of course, you can email us, pack 12 Podcast at gmail.com. We do love the feedback. We love to hear from you, especially... During the offseason, Dave, we need we need some topics, and uh, we have a pretty good one today.
0: Yeah, we do. And we've got—we um, had some good texts, too, just besides um, kind of our main topic, which is going to be, uh, I think, breaking down our—I'm our, our, our uh, going to say my dreadful and you're fine uh, fantasy uh, <laughs> team from the last uh, 18 years of Pac-12, Pac-10, and sort of Mountain Westy uh football— um as well as big 12 because colorado was in there too so it's kind of a complicated mess but whatever um but we also got some good texts from people and i actually responded to some which you must have been very jealous about because i responded to the texts of strangers (laughs) but i think you had a text to me this week where i took a literal day and a half to respond to
1: (laughs) i was a little jealous i don't know how fast you quickly you responded to these people but uh yeah, whoever got the whoever got your text responded to by Dave. Just feel very lucky because it's not uh, it's not all that easy. Yeah, uh,
0: and to, so and everyone out there, if you do text us in, you're not always going to get a response. But when you don't get a response, it probably means we're just going to use whatever you said on the show. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of. Text we got with some questions um so we we're probably just going to talk about them on the show but yeah i'm much more inclined to respond to something that's like either vaguely insulting or like in some way demeaning <laughs> like i don't know what kind of complex that is but i'm much more inclined to respond to that sort of thing
1: that kind of turns the light on for you like oh yeah I don't if you
0: if you would just text me and say hey fuckhead or something like that then i would probably um
1: you know well, you'd probably respond okay i'll try i'd that. probably respond yeah before so before we jump into everything um, really wanted to talk about last week's show a little bit, having the, the great John Wilner on uh, a lot. I think we got a lot of positive feedback. Um, I'm not sure why he seems to really enjoy doing our show, so we'll keep doing. You know, keep having him on until he figures out that he really doesn't need to do that. But it was it was great. We had a lot of fun with him.
0: Yeah, John was great. Um, he's uh obviously probably one of the most knowledgeable people about the Pac-12 breathing today actually i would say he's probably among like the top five and that includes everyone who works the pack 12 um so that was a real treat and uh getting him on you know at least twice a year which i think is what we done now we had him on before the start of last season and then you know getting him again before the start of next season was probably be pretty cool
1: yeah uh he's great i uh, always spend some time with us he'll interact on twitter he had what was the uh he tweeted out something today one of his stories i think that uh I responded to, it was like, uh, it was sort of similar to the, um, you know, the comparisons we had, who was it? Was it Andrew that sent us those and you were supposed to put them up on the website and still haven't done that? Is that, is that, that I think that's correct. Yes. I
0: think everything you just said is correct. Yeah. So it was a story about, um, basically how the PAC 12 football win totals correlate to number of NFL draft picks produced and how that kind of, um, it's once again, a. a proof of UCLA just being the most underwhelming program in the Pac-12 in my humble opinion Um, UCLA is is tops in the percentage of overall draft pick picks but uh, just sixth in conference wins um, which yeah and uh, so that's that's obviously not great
1: (laughs) yeah that was the biggest it looked like the biggest disparity I think that I saw
0: yeah I think well for sure Um, I'm trying to let me
1: Cause it was, yeah, yeah but the,
0: yeah, I, I think it was, um, I know, and it, it kind of goes to a the theory it, from a few weeks ago as well.
1: It didn't distinguish between like a first round pick and a seventh round pick, but overall UCLA had the most picks over that six year period, I believe. And then, uh, but like the average conference, you know, finishing like six. So that's, that was a, a pretty big disparity. Like I think USC was like second and second and Stanford was like first and second, like there were, you know, they kind of correlated like Stanford and USC up near the top. You could still argue that, you know, there was underwhelming performances and all that kind of stuff, but they you know, compared to the conference, they're about right where they should be. The UCLA was the one that kind of stood out for me the most.
0: Yeah. I think that's the very obvious one. You know, Stanford, obviously it's one in conference wins, two in draft picks. Um, I, I think one that stands out on the negative end is Cal, um, almost last in wins but only uh seventh in draft picks okay so, that's, a,
1: that's a big disparity too yeah
0: yeah they've gotten they've gotten enough talent that they shouldn't have only won 14 games in conference in the last six years because um, like oregon state it makes sense right they haven't had you know anywhere near the nfl draft talent but even Air oregon state they're just one behind cal in nfl draft actually uh oh, they wow. had 12 um and if you're looking at Overperformers. performers um, Arizona would be an obvious one. They've only had five total draft picks in the last, uh, I think it's, he's doing five years for the draft picks and six years for the wins, so it's why it's a little bit weird. But in those five years, Arizona's had uh, five draft picks, but they've won 24 games, which is close to middle of the pack. Um, so they've outperformed. Um, Washington State has outperformed. They've only had six draft picks, but they're also middle of the pack. And then Cal and UCLA would be obvious, very obvious underperformers.
1: Yeah. Um, well, do you want me to read the original email that kind of got us to where we are? Yes, the, please. Okay. I think
0: we adapted it, but yeah, let's read the we original. Did.
1: Yeah, so Futameki, uh, he said, hey, hi, Ryan and Dave. This is his all-century Pac-12 draft. And this was from March 26th. That so was a while ago. Uh, about a month ago, please do an all-century fantasy draft for Pac-12 football players. Each of you choose a player from 2,000 or later, but once you pick a player from a team, that team is off the board for good. For example, if someone picks Jake Browning, haha, no more Washington players can be picked. Six rounds, snake order rules. By virtue of a coin toss, Dave gets the first pick. At the end, please declare a winner. And we decided to change it a little bit. Um, we're going to pick... Uh, an offensive and a defensive player from every team in the Pac-12, which gives you about, you know, a starting team, uh, 12, 12 offensive players, 12 defensive players. And uh, we did it that way. And we did a, I don't know, is that a snake where Dave got the first pick because uh, that's what Futomeki said. But then I got second and third, then he got fourth and fifth, and we kind of went through that way. Is that snake order rules? I don't know.
0: I think that is. It's just with two people. It makes it very weird. But, yeah, I think right. that's correct. Um <laughs> Yeah. So, um, a couple other notes, we had to pick a real team. So that meant you had to pick a quarterback. You have to pick a running back. You have to pick, you know, a certain number of receivers, a certain number of offensive linemen, a certain number of defensive linemen. Like, I think we kind of fudged it a little bit, but we were trying to pick, you know, the bare minimums you would need to field some sort of defense. Um, so, you know, I guess if you wanted to run a three, four or four, three, you could make a claim either way. But, um, we couldn't just pick like seven quarterbacks and you could just rate that. That's kind of the point. So, um, we did this, um, despite knowing all of the rules ahead of time, despite doing some actual research, I feel like my strategy was horrific. Um, I picked, so with my first pick with a month, literally a month to think about it, Thinking about, like, not just, like, who's the best player, but, like, what's the opportunity cost? Like, if I pick a player from X team, I can't pick another player from that team. If I pick a certain position, you know, depending on that position, there might not, you know, I, I, I might not need to do that at that point. So many different factors went into it. And I picked Marcus Mariota. A quarterback from Oregon and Oregon Oregon is rife with offensive talent like if you look at the last 18 years they have nothing but star offensive players like they've got them all over the field I picked Marcus Mariota so that's dumb for Oregon I pick a quarterback which is just dumb in general because if you look at the Pac-12 compared to every other league in the world um, quarterback talent is where the whole Pac-12 is phenomenal who could Ryan pick that I would be suddenly like oh no you know, that's not great. If he picked Marcus Mariota, I'd probably just do what he did and pick Aaron Rodgers. Um, so that was all dumb. Um, and also picking um, any player from a good team first was dumb. I should have picked either a Colorado player, because there's only really one who was super elite on offense, and that's Nate Solder. Um, and, or a Colorado defensive player. Um, you know, could have gone Jimmy Smith. I went to at Uzie because I didn't do it first. But, like if I had to do this over again, I would have done it an entirely different way.
1: And we, and funny, we
0: literally just did it today. We, which Speaks to my <laughs> general inability to be thoughtful in any real way.
1: And we did this over email, which was kind of funny. Um, we, we got an email too from Shane and I was a little upset because I kind of looked at this and I, you know, I don't play a lot of fantasy stuff, but usually the draft thing is the most important. And It's like, you just want to have a, a philosophy. You just want to have some sort of strategy and like but exactly what you were describing that's what i was saying like i i made a board out i'll tweet out a picture of my whiteboard and if i had a whole lot of players like usc has a lot of guys like on offense or whatever um i don't need to pick them first because if dave picks someone that i like there i'll just pick someone else you know and once once dave picks oregon first oregon offense um and we said you have to have one offense and one defense from every team i don't need to look at oregon's offense i don't need to pick anyone there cuz he right. can't you know so I would always go to who hasn't, which team hasn't been uh, picked yet. But Shane wrote in; he said, uh, in the original fantasy fantasy exercise, Nate Shoulder uh, Solder absolutely has to go number one. I can't think of any other school position where a quality drop off after the first player is that extreme. If you have the first per- first pick, t- pick him. And that was—I was so mad when I read that because that was my strategy. I was like, "That's what I was going to do." Um, See, so
0: what I should have done. Prior to uh, doing this draft, is actually think about it and or read Shane's email.
1: <laughs> oh, you didn't read the email before? Okay. <laughs> no. Um. No. Yeah. He, he. So he came up with his own uh, team, and I thought there were some really good uh, players there. I, there was a couple that I actually didn't even have on my kind of board. It's not easy to research this stuff, you know. It's not. No. It's
0: it's really hard. Like I was doing it by. Because, I mean, honestly, like remembering guys who played in like 2003 is really, really difficult. And so I was doing things like NFL draft picks by school and then just going through who got picked in the NFL draft. I was looking at all conference teams, all American teams from like, the last 18 years just to see who like if there was anybody who stood out who I just completely forgotten about. And there were there were tons of guys who I was just like, oh, I, I completely forgot you even played football.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> Um, And, there, you know, the one thing we could have done, too, instead of all century, we could have done BCS era. There's a lot of those like uh, um, lists out there. And I think I screwed up because I grabbed someone that I saw on that list. Um, Who was it? Chris Ferris. Chris Ferris. Yeah. But he he didn't play in 2000. So
0: I know. And if I if I wasn't like a UCLA guy, there's no way I would have even known. And then we would have had an invalid list. Oh, I would have been like, oh, yeah, Chris Ferris, he probably played till 2000 or so.
1: Yeah. So there was, um. so I thought that was pretty interesting. Maybe we could, uh, we don't, need, we'll put the full list up on pack 12 podcastcom and we'll break it down. And we want to get, uh, we were asked to declare a winner, but uh, we'll, we'll leave it up to you guys. And maybe we'll send it to like Wilner and like Kyle Bonagora or whatever. And like have them kind of say, Hey, who, who they think is the best team, but maybe we could go over a few of the guys that we like from our team. You know I mean? Yeah,
0: I would say my best pick was getting uh, Terrell Suggs. Yeah, um, I think that was probably the best. I got him with the second pick. I went, I went Terrell Suggs, and then Haloti Nata, which I'm I'm okay with that. I thought that was a good uh, recovery from the Marcus Mariota situation. I still think I probably, uh, I mean, I probably could have taken like a or, uh, like a Colorado player. Somewhere in that group, I didn't. I wasn't really thinking very clearly, so that's that's my fault. But well, um, I, I feel I like good those. about that.
1: I like. So I went uh, Nate Solder and then Steve Smith, the wide receiver from Utah, because I just didn't have a lot. I had him and like Alex Smith on my list, but I think we got an email today that there was an All American offensive lineman from like 2002 that I missed. So I well, could've... you also
0: missed Garrett Bowles, who was only there for like a year and a half or whatever. Oh,
1: okay. So you end up picking him, right? Or is that?
0: Yeah, I picked Garrett Bowles. I was really happy actually when you picked Steve Smith, like the other other Steve Smith.
1: Right, right. Uh, with Steve Smith, a stud. I love him. But I would have, I would have preferred, like looking back, getting Suggs. Like Suggs is an absolute stud. But for me, like if you look at ASU, I, there was one BCS list, like top defensive lineman of the BCS era, and they had Suggs. And then Will Sutton, like, first and third. So, I'm like, well, if I don't get Suggs, like, I still got an awesome Arizona State defensive uh, lineman, you know. So, I like, thought that would be good. Um, Nada, too, like, he's a he's a stud. Uh, there wasn't as many great Oregon defensive players. I think I ended up with KC Matthews, like, at the at the very end. Yeah. But, like, yeah. So, you look – I would look at these guys and, like, well, you know, there's only – I only have one or two that I found – uh, and then you you, you have to f- figure out offensive linemen and because uh, you need five, you know, and, and so-
0: that's where I felt pretty good. So offensive line in general, like obviously missed on Nate Solder. But then when I, I started doing it, I was like, okay, if we're going to have people vote on this, if offensive linemen is going to matter, you've got to pick the only guys that people can remember their names, right? <laughs> because you're not going to think about like offensive line and be like, oh, I don't, I don't remember who any of these people are like you. Like, Ryan has guys like Chad Ward. Like, who's that? That's a Washington offensive lineman. I'm sure Washington fans are screaming at me right now. But nobody outside of Seattle knows who that is. Uh, Max Unger, Oregon OL. Like, yeah, I mean, I I remember the name, but really, honestly. But I went with, um, you know, Sam Baker, USC, offensive tackle, Alex Mack, David Yankee, uh, the – Stanford OL, Garrett Bowles, who's very recent, and then Eben Britton, who's got a big profile right now, and he's also pretty good at Arizona. Um, so I feel good about my OL choices.
1: Yeah, I thought they were they were pretty good too. And I you know, I would look at these guys and like, oh they're like, like that's a two time consensus all American. I had no idea. <laughs> right? But so but I feel good like about like if I had to like write his resume out to let people know how good like Cody O'Connell from from Washington State is, you know, like uh I think he was a two I think my or one or two, like I mean and a high draft pick and stuff. The guys I I guess I like um like early on my like it's not the the greatest early part of the draft. You got guys it was mostly about picking guys that you knew if 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 Dave picked then I wouldn't be able to get anybody from that school. So I was kind of I thought I was pretty good about that. Um but I love that I have Mercedes Lewis and Rob Gronkowski for tight ends. That's pretty cool. And then uh having um Stephen Jackson and Reggie Bush for for running backs. I like that. So I feel like I have pretty good offensive firepower just from running backs and tight ends.
0: Yeah, well, the dumbest – the the by far dumbest thing I did was waste USC on linemen, um, Cedric Ellis and Sam Baker. Um, that was extremely – just extremely dumb, <laughs> especially defensive line because a lot of these random schools actually have good defensive linemen. Yeah. Um, and so, like, Washington with the DL, getting Danny Shelton, I did that too, but, like, I didn't need – I think I ended up taking – I think I ended up taking four DL, but I easily could have taken more. I could have taken um, some UCLA defensive linemen. I took Robert Thomas as a linebacker, but I could have taken, you know, Dayton Jones or Bruce Davis or a wide variety of UCLA guys. Um, so taking uh, a DL at USC and also taking any USC player early was stupid um, because obviously there's a lot of value there regardless of who you pick. Um, so that was all very dumb. I picked a very dumb team. You're all going to look at it and be like, wow, <laughs> this team wouldn't win the Pac 12 tomorrow, oh, let alone stop an all time team. Um, no, that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, like any team with Marcus Mariota and Terrell Suggs by itself would win the Pac 12. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a solid team. Um, but I, I think Ryan's is uh, probably better. I mean, I still I, I, I think it got I think you got very strategic at the beginning. And I think I got some like better overall talent, like getting Nata, getting Suggs, Mariota. I would take over Aaron Rodgers as a college quarterback, especially because I'm running like a, have decided I'm running the 2011 Oregon blur. Um, nice. Yeah, I know. It's great. And I got Maurice Jones, Drew, who I think is uh, superior to Reggie Bush as a college player, just played behind a much worse offensive line. That's my homerism. I'm gonna bring it. Wow, that's that, that's me. That's me as a college, uh, as a college student saying that. <laughs> I'm just going back in time and saying that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I take MJD. Um, yeah. So I feel good about that one. Uh, I feel We're... good about Brandon Cooks. I think he compares well with you know Derek Hagan and uh, I don't know about Steve Smith, but he compares with Derek Hagan. Was Steve Smith that good at Utah? That's what I'm trying to remember because I know he became great in the NFL, but. Yeah. He only played two years at Utah, right?
1: I think so. And that, but that's a, the other thing, too, is like you're wondering, well, you know, yeah. Th- we talk about this, like the guys that were like that are NFL superstars but maybe weren't. But then you're like, well, if he was on a better team, like yeah. Aaron Rodgers still was ridiculous. But what if he was on USC? You know, like what would have happened if, if he was took over for liners? You know, like it's crazy.
0: Yeah. Um, and I ended up taking – who did I take that I felt – um, I forget who my other rec- oh, and I got Paul Richardson from Colorado, which I felt was a good consolation prize to Nate Solder. But yeah. they're like, they're like the two guys. Everyone else, Colorado offense is like they're not making any All Century team.
1: No, I, I, uh, yeah, I hear you there. I, I tried to, the defensive stuff. I put like I think I have four defensive linemen, four linebackers, and four defensive backs. So I made it kind of even. And uh, I tried it like the whole Reggie Bush thing. I was like, man, I kind of have to you need some star power on the team. And I am like, I could have took like Ryan Khalil, like when you're trying to figure out yeah. offensive lineman and he's a stud center. It's like, Oh, it's, it's hard to get centers and stuff. But I thought, well, I'll just get an offensive lineman from somewhere else where what offensive player would you get that would compare to like Reggie Bush, you know? So as long as you w- weren't stuck, uh, but that's, yeah, that's why I wouldn't pick a USC person early. Cause it was just why, you know, there was just so many options and then you get towards the end, you're trying to figure out, okay, what possessions do I need? And, so what you're going? saying
0: is you wouldn't take a somewhat obscure USC lineman <laughs> with the 4th <fourth> overall pick.
1: <laughs> I, I wouldn't have taken Sam but I I know Sam pretty well. I like him. His dad is uh it's a great guy. He was guy. really
0: good. He was yeah. really good, at USC. Oh no, he's
1: he's you know one of the better offensive linemen probably of that era for sure, but like there was just other sort of options you could yeah, do. If yeah, you're running the blur. I'm running the like I got two tight ends. I got Gronk and, and Mercedes Lewis. I got two, you know, Reggie Bush and and Steven Jackson. So I got some thunder and lightning back there in the backfield with uh, Aaron Rodgers slinging. I feel pretty good about my offense. We're just going to be like power through everything.
0: We're going to return a lot of punts for touchdowns, <laughs> to be honest with
1: you. Nice. Um, all right, so we'll put up all this stuff. Tell us how we're idiots. Like, we, you can't believe you didn't pick, blah, blah, blah. So basically, we should have the top two. Offensive and defensive players, well, not necessarily because sometimes you have to get a need. You had to get an offensive lineman or something. But for the most part, the top two offense defensive players for the schools that you care about, each one of your schools. Um, and if there's someone that was just glaring like, how are you morons, did not pick, blah, 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 definitely, uh, definitely let us know. I'm sure there's a bunch of them.
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah, but it was kind of fun. I actually ended up having a lot more fun doing it than I thought I would.
1: Yeah, it was cool, and it's better that we didn't do it on the show because, like, you know, I was thinking of doing that, and Dave was like, "No, don't, don't do that." And uh, Dave was right.
0: <laughs> I think I was. I, th- I think it would have been very boring, and it would have been a lot of ah, uh, um, uh. so this yeah, because you got
1: to figure stuff out as you go, you know. Yeah, and
0: it's a lot of. Uh, I mean. I only sort of understood the score by about halfway through. And then I was like, oh crap, I need to actually think about this strategically now. (laughs) And also just to be clear, um, I, at some point I forgot that we had to get an offensive and a defensive player from each team. I thought we just needed two total from each team. So like, I was like five picks in and then I picked two Stanford offensive linemen. And, uh, Ryan was like, wait, you can't do that. And then I was like, oh, (laughs) right. Oh, that changes everything for me. So, (laughs) <laughs> to recap, um, I'm a uh, I'm a uh, moron um, who can't read and forgets what he reads. So
1: I, I believe that's what we had said. So I, I, you know, I I didn't want to like change the rules on you or anything. But uh, right,
0: no, 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 I get that, I get that. Um, and <laughs> I, I think my like past self understood that, but my um my my present self not so much.
1: Do so, we want to um. Since Shane's thing, do you want to read – do you want to pull it up and read it? Do you want me to or whatever? you want me to read all of Shane's thing? Yeah, if you can, if we, since it's about the draft. Okay. Want,
0: okay. He said, where's the ready player one of conference fantasy drafts? All right. This is from Shane. Ryan and Dave, I'm still waiting with bated breath on the results of your epic nerdery and throwback references, an extreme hardcore niche activity that you guys thought would probably even bore an already hardcore niche audience. <laughs> For whatever reason, this stupid fantasy draft has been somewhere in the back of my mind for the last few weeks. There's something interesting about gaming strategy in a limited capacity draft like this, where you can directly react to the pick your opponent just made, knowing that they've locked themselves out of positions or teams. I.e., if I pick Mariota with the first pick, dumb, (laughs) you can shuffle your deck and wait until late in the draft to uh, grab Lineart, Palmer, Luck, Michael James, or Max Unger, knowing I'm not going to take another QB or another duck on offense. Yeah. This exercise puts an ultimate premium on standout players at lower tier programs. There's an interesting idea here with a fantasy football survivor hybrid concept. Once you play a guy, you can't play him again. My thought in the original fantasy exercise, Nate Solder absolutely has to go number one. I can't think of any other school position (laughs) where the quality drop off after that first player is that extreme. If you have first pick, take Solder.
1: So you didn't read this before.
0: I did not. Okay. And I would appreciate it, Shane, if next time you texted me, <laughs> I have been very friendly and I have let my uh, my 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 Google Voice number be out there. So just text me next time.
1: This actually came in before the John I'm Wilner aware. show. I'm like, aware. Ryan. It's been around for a while. I had assumed you read it, and
0: I I think I got like a, a few lines in, and I'm like, oh, it's about the draft. Let's do this next time. Okay. And then okay. I just didn't. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I did read it. I don't, I I have no idea anymore. My question, if you did the same exercise, but eliminated one team. Ooh, okay. USC from the group to create a true 11 on 11 all-star teams from since 2000. One team is made up of players from USC and one team is made up of players from the other 11 conference teams. Is there a position group where the conference would have the advantage over SC? ol maybe usc probably wins or holds their own on dl wide receiver db and lb qb and running back feel like a toss-up what do you think just an interesting perspective on the scale of the split between sc and the rest of the conference go dogs i think that's overstating it a little bit actually when i was going through like dl especially
1: there's a lot of good ones
0: there's a lot of really good ones across the board like if i mean you're telling like so if you took nata you took Suggs. um
1: Will he Sutton,
0: took Star Lota Lele.
1: yeah, Star Will Sutton. I mean, that's like pretty awesome. I mean,
0: th- I think that compares against the USC All Star team. I think it might be better. Yeah,
1: I would say better. like because
0: yeah. USC would have what Sean Cody, Cedric Ellis, uh, who else? Who'd be your defensive ends?
1: Um, let's see, uh. Everson, everson griffin yeah everson griffin konnichi uh maybe uh nick Perry. i mean it's it's
0: comparable for sure i mean sc's got some good defensive line yeah. talent but, but I, don't I think know. those
1: are more superstar-y like than yeah like they're i mean usc would have a solid team but i would you know yeah in that
0: I'm and sure. OL, i think it's very clear that the conference would take it um although i do i mean i actually think that dl is probably where usc is weaker than ol ol like There've been some dudes. You, yeah, you've I mean got Tyron Matt Khalil Smith and Ryan Khalil.
1: Yeah, Matt Khalil, Ryan Khalil, Tyron Smith, uh, Baker. Like, I mean, lots of All Americans. Like, right there. So they, they do. I might
0: cool. say OL is closer to a wash than DL. I think yeah. DL the, the the league probably takes it, but OL. Oh, I wouldn't be shocked if that was a push. Yeah. Um, wide receiver, I would say USC has uh, probably probably has receiver.
1: Yeah, there's a bunch got, of guys in the NFL just right now, you know, but, yeah. um,
0: I mean, you got Mike Williams who I, I don't think anybody talks about enough, but he was like, I mean, I think he, I think he dominated like nine other PAC 12 fan groups dreams. Like a lot of times, <laughs> like they're nightmares, like just thinking about that, like six, five dude, just jumping over your five, eight cornerback. Oh, right. I'm just talking about UCLA again. <laughs> um, so I think wide receiver, maybe that's just me being biased. Um, DB?
1: Not, not really, no. Like, that would be the one of the weaker groups.
0: I think linebacker's close. Like, Ray Ray.
1: I um, mean, Clay Matthews. Yeah, they yeah. Uh, they had a lot of, just from that one draft, they had like three or four guys. So, like Keith River. Yeah, there was a bunch. But
0: QB kind of depends on how your mileage is on Matt Leinart because he's the best of the USC quarterbacks. Um,
1: well, you could I put prob- Carson Palmer there, too.
0: I guess you can. Yeah. Cause he, I mean, he was the first couple years there, um, of the so I, I would take line art as a college quarterback over yeah. Carson Palmer, though. Yeah.
1: Um, he was like 35 yeah. and two or something stupid like that. You know, it's like,
0: yeah, yeah. Leonard doesn't get enough credit for what he did in college. I think now because it was just kind of like the cusp of the tempo era and he was just, you know, his style of play could have fit, you know, 15, 20 years earlier. Cause it was all pro style. Um, but I, I, mean, I would probably still. I think you know, Rogers was probably a superior quarterback, even though, I mean, obviously he's a superior quarterback now. But um, played on worse teams. But I don't know. I'd probably go like something like Mariota, Rogers. I don't know. There's so many good ones. Are, so yeah. I don't. I don't think you can take USC there. Um, I think it's at. It depends on your mileage on, on liner. I mean, if you if you consider him the best of the Pac-12 or like tied with. Mariota, luck and rogers then that's fine
1: yeah they'd have like bush reggie bush and lindell white at running back there's a lot of good running backs though like you know Marshawn lynch and stephen jackson and uh you know maurice jones drew like there's a lot of really good running backs
0: i would i would usc though i mean even the guys who weren't great like even the guys who like didn't turn out great like i don't know joe mcknight wasn't he yeah. good for a while yeah. like, there were all these like kind of just these dudes they just kept getting five-star running back after five-star running back for basically ever um so i don't know i i, I would say that's close to a push uh, and tight end almost certainly not
1: yeah i wouldn't say so There are not been like a ton well i mean uh the
0: darnell bank was he no he
1: wasn't a tight. no end. he was a safety like jordan cameron or was it cameron jordan i forget which one it's uh he was a transfer from BYU and he ended up ma- like making a pro bowl in the NFL but he just didn't do anything at USC.
0: <laughs> right. Um
1: Dominic Byrd was like the Pete Carroll era guy that was that was really good in college and you know That's
0: why I always mix up with Darnell Bing. Dominic
1: okay. Bird, Dominic Byrd. They have the same initials. There's some guys still in the NFL like Randall Telfers with the Browns. Um you know, he was okay. They they got some some players but not no one that's like uh not like Gronk or uh, Mercedes. Yeah, Mercedes or uh Austin, what what's his Zafarian name? Zafarian Jenkins. Yeah. Guys like that. So I would yeah, I would say the league gets the advantage there. But they could all put right. up a team. The, I guess the point is they could definitely put up a team. Um
0: it wouldn't be a blowout.
1: Yeah. Should we read his uh his draft?
0: Yeah. Um all right. So here's his best shot at the original challenge question. All right, so his offense uh, at quarterback, Marcus Mariota, which you, I had. You had him. Uh, at running back, uh, Reggie Bush and Steven Jackson, both of whom uh, Ryan got. Um, at receiver, Reggie Williams, did you get him? Uh, I don't think either of us picked him.
1: I think I ended up getting an offensive I think I needed that. That was one of the things where I was going to get Reggie Williams, but then I needed an offensive lineman. So I think I took a lineman from Washington instead.
0: And then uh, second. Rec- so he's running like an ace formation or. Yeah, he's running like a pro style. Uh, Derek Hagan at from ASU uh, as receiver uh, who you had Rob Gronkowski uh, tight end. You had yeah. Nate Solder offensive tackle. You had um, Garrett Bowles offensive lineman. I had Alex Mack offensive lineman. I had David DeCastro, offensive lineman. You had Joe Dahl, who neither of us picked, I think. Right, uh, from offensive Washington for Washington State. And then Mercedes Lewis, who you had. So you had, I think, six of the players on offense. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, oh, seven. You had seven of his offensive. And then defensively, uh, he had Terrell Suggs from ASU, who I had. Star-Lord Alele, uh, defensive tackle. You had Haloti Nata, uh, uh, defensive tackle. I had Lance Briggs. Did you end up taking him? Yeah, I got him. Michael Kendricks, who neither of us took.
1: We didn't take him, no.
0: Uh, Anthony Barr, who you ended up taking from UCLA. Uh, Trent Murphy from Stanford, you ended up taking. Marcus Trufant from Washington State, you ended up taking. Troy Palamalu, did you end up taking him? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Brandon Browner, Oregon State. Buda Baker, UW, neither of us took those. And then Chip Dobie Awuzie, who I took from
1: Colorado. Okay. You didn't take Browner?
0: I don't think so. I took Nick Barnett. Oh, you
1: took Nick Barnett. Okay, yeah.
0: Who was like the other choice.
1: Right. There was a – who did I end up getting? I forget who I got. Um.
0: But, like, I also ran into that where I was – I think I was getting, like, NFL biased as well. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, this guy had a good pro career. And then I'm like, oh, wait. Was he even good in college? And, like, Nick Barnett is one of those – I couldn't really remember him as a college player because it was like – I mean, I was still in high school when he was a college player. Um, but – I think he was good.
1: (laughs) I ended up getting, I got, he was, uh, I got Jordan Poyer, who is, I think he was like a two-time All-American or something like that, or at least a one, he was at least an All-American and I needed a DB. So I ended up taking him uh, instead from Oregon State.
0: Right. So you'll look at my team and you'll be like, wow, who are these guys? (laughs) And, um, And just know all of them did in fact play for those teams.
1: That's good. Yeah. Yeah, um,
0: I, I fulfilled the bare minimum requirements of drafting a team. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, well, should we go over the some of the spring games? Sure. Okay, so I, I put them down. I tried to watch a good s- disclaimer. I, I watched all of them, but I recorded them all on Pac-12 Network. It went in order on Saturday. UCLA, Washington, Washington State, and then Oregon. Unfortunately... The first three they cut off after an hour. They only went hour, 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 and I didn't bother to go back and watch the second halves of them or whatever. So you'd have to go. I'd have like for UCLA, I could have got because I get Pac-12 LA, but I don't think I could have got Washington or Washington State because those were on. Uh, Pac-12. Well, and
0: UCLA's ended up being done after an hour anyway, basically. Oh, like it was. They, they, they uh, you probably got to about the halftime, quote unquote. Yeah. And they just stopped the spring game.
1: They did. Oh, okay. Yeah um so okay well let's start up with that one because dave's probably the most familiar we'll go with UCLA Bruins wait what
0: (laughs) it's just hilarious that you're like yeah he's probably the most familiar with this because he did not uh, under any circumstances (laughs) watch the other ones (laughs) and you'd be right Ryan um yeah so UCLA um held their spring game and it was dreadful um as all spring games typically are uh, this one especially. So um, UCLA ran a very vanilla. They they had an actual spring game. So that's in the good column. Uh, but they ran a very vanilla offense. Um, it was Chip Kelly, um, but they didn't run any tempo whatsoever. They huddled a bunch. It was super slow moving. Uh, the quarterbacks um, almost uniformly played poorly, except for like the third string guy, Austin Burton, who's probably not going to have a chance to start this year. He actually did pretty well against like the second or third string defense. Um, yeah, it was, it was not a great look. Um, you can't take much from it because the defense looked pretty good, but you can't take much from that because the offense looked so bad. Um, quarterback play was just so bad. I think UCLA threw like three picks in the scrimmage, Devon monster threw one on the first series, um, where he just did not see a linebacker dropping into coverage. Um, some guys stood out in a positive way. I thought Dimitri Felton um, looks like he can be a weapon for Chip Kelly's scheme. Um, walk-on running back Josh Kelly is definitely going to play this year. Uh, he was maybe the best of the running backs. Sosa Jamabo also looked okay, but um, Josh Kelly probably looked a little bit better and more consistent. Um, and then defensively, some guys stood out. You know, Rick Wade looks like he's going to be a, a pretty good defensive lineman this year. He's a defensive end. He's like... He's, he looks like one of those um, Stanford uh, defensive linemen from years past, you know, 6'6", 270, um, just long-armed, big guy, um, be a nice fit for a 3-4. Um, defensive backs all picked off a bunch of balls, but I don't know how much of that was that and how much of it was just the quarterbacks telegraphing where they were throwing the ball. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a spring game. You take it all with a grain of salt. Um, the offense um, obviously wasn't showing much, and if it was – then that's obviously a bad sign if that's the offense they're planning on running. But I can't imagine it is. There was, you know, again, no tempo, um, and that's been a that's been a staple of practice so far. So it's probably just the case where they were not wanting to show a whole lot um, in an actual spring game.
1: So like, when you're watching these, um, I mean, a lot of it, I'm not like watching every play. Like sometimes I'm doing work on my laptop as the game's on, but I'm listening. Or just
0: living your life, you know, yeah. just like I, I cannot watch more of the spring game. I'm just going to stare out the window for a little while.
1: But I wanted to, like, you want to hear the interviews. You want to hear, there's you know, maybe they'll put up a graphic of something about, uh, you know, what, how the defense played last year or some, you know, just kind of fun facts. Things that I'll put in my little notebook. So when we're talking about these teams later um mm-hmm. you can kind of come back to them usually what I'm getting I didn't really get much of anything out of this one and all of the productions for each of the spring games even though they were all in the Pac-12 they were all very different and like Dave yeah. mentioned this was an actual spring game blue versus white at Drake Stadium but they didn't have any interviews like they didn't interview Chip no. Kelly like you didn't
0: and honestly I, I, I I'm, I'm gonna say this with like love and respect I think Yogi Roth has gotten a lot better as an announcer over his, like, five years doing it. And I think he's been really, really good on game telecasts. I don't know that they had a real production meeting for this show because (laughs) he would be talking about stuff that had basically nothing to do with what was going on on the field. And it wasn't – you know, Bill Walton can do that because he's – I find him incredibly interesting and wild. But Yogi's not that guy. He has to be talking about stuff that he's actually seeing. And it was just – it was as if they had like some notes ready for a non game and they were just going to be talking over a practice. And the fact that we were watching like what amounted to a real game, but there was basically no commentary on what was actually going on in the field was kind of discordant.
1: Yeah. There would be a lot of stories about um he'll have like background on a recruit, like the yeah, yeah. story on that. Uh, I saw that he did the same thing with the USA. I mean, I love the Yogi. We, we We chat all the time, but sometimes it was just not kind of over the top, like, there's amazing story. It's like, no, those guys are really aren't that good, you know. But <laughs> you're just kind of like, <laughs> right. Like, Yogi, I know this, you know, it's it's really not um but whatever. But I guess it's you know, that's for TV and everything. Um yeah. it's it interesting to me, like all the so you got to see so the blue team had uh monster and then Matt Lynch backed him up. And then Austin Burton was basically like kind of the second team guy with Gibbs backing him up. Um, I think Gibbs ended up throwing a pick when he came in. Um and monster, you said he had a he had a first drive interception uh, there, and then Burton. There was a targeting, and I think Shea Pitts got ejected. Was that right? Yeah, like-
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they brought him back because they didn't have enough DBs towards oh, the end. Okay. But, yeah, they they mock ejected him. They mock ejected. Him. Well, because he also like so they made uh, one thing I actually liked that they did to a certain extent is they made the quarterbacks live, um, so you could actually hit them. But that I mean he took a headshot at a quarterback who was sliding in a spring game. Come on.
1: Yeah, that probably wasn't, uh, wasn't ideal, but yeah, there, there wasn't really, there wasn't a lot of great information in this one. So I didn't really get a bunch of notes, which is the whole reason I'm kind of watching. And then, like I said, it cut off and went to halftime, but you said they just basically ended it.
0: Yeah. They only ran. I mean, I think it was a total of like 44 45 plays. Um, and trip Kelly said afterwards that that was the plan, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe they had some kind of function to get to or recruiting thing, but yeah, it was only an hour and hour and 15.
1: Wow. That's basically what USC did too, but it wasn't a, USC just had a practice. Like that's kind of weird that you run a spring game, but then just that we're done. Um, cut it off. Did did they get to interview him after the, after the spring game? Was there any,
0: yeah. And he said that was the plan. So, um, (laughs) but he's, he's really not forthcoming in interviews at all. Um, yeah. He clearly has a whole lot of contempt for the media, which fine, I think that's fair. Um, but uh, yeah, didn't really give up a whole lot of info. Okay. Afterward, about even you know the quarterback competition, you know that's still very much up in the air. Um, there they've got Wilton Spate now coming in for fall camp, and uh, DT and Dorian Thompson Robinson also coming in, yeah. uh, freshman Bishop Gorman. So there'll be some new bodies in that competition, and it's very clear that that competition is a real competition heading into the fall
1: yeah that's like six six arms back there right
0: yeah for once ucla has some bodies and you know i would say it's it's finally in a a, i mean if anybody's been following ucla with any kind of uh you know scrutiny over the last uh i don't know 10 years quarterback depth has been a significant issue for basically each of those years um so having even i mean I, i think you can Pretty safely say Wilton Spate is a D1 arm. Um, he started for an entire year at Michigan. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson probably will be. We'll see if he is this year. Uh, Devon Modster started games last year. Matt Lynch played last year. Um, there's, I, I think there's finally a depth chart there. I don't know who's going to be the guy, but there's finally some, some options.
1: All right. Well, let's move on to the next one. So it went right from they really just cut this off, you know, almost half time and then went right into Washington
0: Huskies.
1: And uh, I don't know if you got to see this at all, Dave. Um, it was you, more, you, you know, okay. don't,
0: don't say you don't know. You I, know.
1: I wasn't sure. You know, you, you watch this last one and maybe you watch some other ones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they were, this was a little like, they just started off doing drills. It was more like a practice and they had like a live scrimmage, um, scheduled for later, so you got to see some of the some of the drills and stuff, uh, but like I said, it was only an hour that I got to see, and I don't get the Pac-12 uh, Washington, so I couldn't really uh, even go back and try to record it. I think you could see it on uh, like Pac-12 Now. You could see it on the app or something, but I didn't do that. Um, but Chris Peterson spoke uh, I think a couple of times, and he said uh, I think it was just once. He liked the effort and focus uh, that they had during the spring. He felt like they practiced hard and they felt like it got better. So, I mean, this is, you know, probably the favorite to win the conference. And he felt, um, you know, positive. You know, he felt like they did some positive stuff during spring football. So, I guess that's all you want if you're a Washington fan. Jake Browning was a starter. So, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, and then it was Jake Hayner that was the backup quarterback. Um, didn't get to see a whole lot of it because by the time, you know, the the live stuff came around, it was getting towards the end of the hour. And then it just... It basically cut off before they got to do really any of the scrimmaging. So, um, the you know, got this. You just get to basically hear Chris Peterson talk and watch a little bit of drills and stuff, but that was about it, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I mean, what more do you need to see of Washington at this point? No. And like, especially this year, they've got Jake Browning back. So you're not really watching a quarterback competition. And so you're looking at everything else. And yeah, I mean, they're going to field a good defense because it's been Washington's MO. Every single year under Peterson, no matter who they've lost and what's happened, they feel the good defense. They have Jake Browning back. I mean, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a Washington team that is gonna most likely win the North. That's just how it's gonna be.
1: They had a couple notes. um, So they're returning all five of their defensive backs, uh, and they run like ninety percent nickel defense. So I thought that was that's good. Then. That's yeah,
0: good that they return all those guys. So
1: they play obviously a lot of nickel. I think that's pretty common uh, now. It's become like the it's not your you know your base defense. You don't run as much because you're running mostly nickel. And then they had something called dog tackling, where it's I guess it's rugby tackling where you're supposed to keep your head kind of out of it. So that's that seems like a fairly common theme too. I've heard them talk about it at USC and some other programs. So, um, but they call it dog tackling.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: There was that. Um all right. The next so that was an hour then boom went right into Washington State Cougars. Um let's see. So my notes here. It was a Crimson and Gray game. Uh so more of a kind of game they did four 15-minute quarters with a running clock in the second half. That seemed to be a fairly common theme. Um they didn't do any kickoffs but so um you know mostly just playing – They had a lot of people were wearing like number three tributes for uh, Tyler Holinsky. So you kind of saw that around. Uh, But I think that the general theme was they didn't want to keep talking about it. It's just like, it's, he's in their thoughts and prayers and in their minds and um, just kind of, you know, go forward from here. Uh, So, and I don't know if you knew this, but they play in Spokane at Joel Albee stadium or Albee, I think they say. Um, but they, they had the president on talking about moving the game back to Pullman. I don't know exactly why they play it in Spokane.
0: Why? Why is that the case?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, they I, I didn't catch that on the broadcast. Maybe they did, but um, I, apparently a lot of the students and a lot of the you know the fans want the game back in Pullman. So apparently that's in the works right now. But the, I guess for a while it's been in Spokane.
0: Interesting. That's yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. It'd be one thing if they wanted to do it in like Seattle to get the alumni or whatever, but Spokane, it's, I mean, you're just going, what, an hour and a half up the road?
1: Yeah, it's kind of strange. Um, Yeah. This was one of those broadcasts, even though it was only an hour, they had a lot of good information. So this was like completely different than what we saw like in the UCLA one. Um, One of the focuses was, and I don't have the exact numbers, but the number of games that Washington State's won with a quarterback who wasn't like a high school recruit. Um, you know, Luke Falk, it's going to skew the numbers because he was a walk-on, but a lot of walk-ons or transfers, things like that. And right now they have redshirt junior quarterback Trey Tinsley, who was a former walk-on, you know, similar to Luke Falk. And then Anthony Gordon, who came in uh, from JC. They also have uh, Cameron Cooper, who's a true freshman. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see – they played the other two guys most of the first half, and by the time they cut it off, I didn't really get to see – Cooper throw, So, uh, I would have like that would have been, I would have liked to kind of go back and they, they had enough information there. Um, it would have been good to, to see the second half, but unfortunately I didn't get to see that. Leach. We have
0: some stats. I have some stats for you. Oh, okay. Quarterbacks, If you want them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What, what, All right,
0: so Tinsley was 19 of 24 for 213 yards and three touchdown passes, which is like vintage Luke Falk. Uh, Gordon <laughs> was 15 of 21 for 174 yards and one touchdown and then Cameron Cooper came in um, and he was 12 of 18 for 120 yards and a TD. Uh John Bledsoe, the son of Drew, was 7 of 9 for 40 and then Connor Neville and Casey Brink also did stuff but didn't uh, register any stats here.
1: And if you can see by Dave's stats, the the offense ran the show. There was like I think the first three four drives were like three TDs and a field goal and then they got more TDs. There was just a lot of a lot of success, <laughs> successful offensive drives. Um it was, uh, and Mike Leach, he did a pretty vanilla interview, but he did say that Tinsley and uh, Gordon were ahead. Uh, he liked how the defense had been playing in the spring, um, so that was cool. They did a a, a ring drill uh, early on, which was kind of fun, where like everyone's like uh, you know in a round in a ring, and they just put two people in there and they're facing off, blocking and going after each other. So that was there was some good like physicality to kind of get things uh, started. A defensive tackle actually defended the first pass of the game from uh, Tinsley, but then he just he drove down the field and and got a touchdown. He made some really good throws. Um, the the offense, like if you were watching, that the offense did look uh, really good. I think they mixed in some runs, but there was a lot of you know really nice passes that we got to see. And the one thing I, I wanted to see Cooper throw a little bit because I've followed him through you know Elite Eleven and stuff, so I kind of wanted to see him on that stage, but unfortunately I didn't get to see it. Right. Um, yeah. And then, uh, so they're, they actually have a transfer coming in from East Carolina too, right? Or there's potential transfer.
0: Yeah. Um, Gardner the, Minshew, I believe. Okay. Uh,
1: but he, he was not there. So, yeah. um, but there was that, uh, cool. But yeah, I thought it was, uh, like pretty informative as far as, um, you know, what they they were talking about. I think they talked about the, there's 19 players, uh, on their two deep that are gone. A lot of uh, the guys on defense. Um, it's a pretty talented and young front seven uh, that they lack kind of some depth in the secondary. Um, and, and one of the, the things they talked about, Mike Leach, he likes to have an experienced quarterback. Um, you know, it could be a former walk-on, whatever. Someone that's been in his system for a while. You know, it's been around a while. So if you think because Cooper comes in as this four-star guy that they don't get all the time, uh, they were kind of, you know, saying don't don't count on someone like him coming in to start because, you know, because of that experience factor. He's, you know, he's an early enrollee. He's there now. But guys that have been around a long, you know, a long time, even though they're, you know, walk-ons, they can really excel in this system. So they were kind of making that a point on the broadcast that Leach does like to have quarterbacks that have been in his system for a little while as opposed to, you know, bringing the superstar that just starts from day one. Right. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. All right, and then we have one last one. Oregon Ducks. Um, here's a tidbit that I got from the broadcast. See, I like getting little tidbits from the broadcast, Dave, and that's what UCLA didn't bring to me. Um, how many wins on the road do you think Oregon's had over the last two years?
0: Mm, three. One. <laughs> I was
1: Holy. like, what? Um, yeah. Let me see. So, 2016. They beat Utah.
0: Oh my God!
1: Uh, but they lost Oregon State, USC, uh, Cal, Washington State, Nebraska, and then last year. So they must have not won a, a game all of last year, right? They uh, lost at oh my Washington. God. Lost at Washington. Lost at UCLA. Lost at Stanford. Lost at Arizona State. Oh, they won at at Wyoming. So maybe, oh, that's two, I guess. So I, I, maybe it was one in conference, um, but they, w- they beat Wyoming last year on the road. So two road wins over the last two years. So that's, they got to get better at that. Wow. I would say
0: that is horrific.
1: Yeah. It's a little tidbit there, uh, but you know, the one year they're four and eight, you know, four and eight, seven and six, but you, ex- most of those wins are at right home. Um, they had, this was the most spring gamey of all of them, you know, cause you're going to have the best crowd and everything. They had an F-15 flyover for the spring game, Dave. Did you, How crazy is that?
0: <sighs> why does everyone take <laughs> these spring games, like, as seriously as they do? Why, Like, why are you watching them? Uh, Let's get to the bottom of that, because and we'll, of maybe this. we'll get to some conclusions about some larger issues. Because we do
1: this show, so I wanted to see what was going on, you know? I'm, All
0: right, so, like, it, when you were, like, I guess— <laughs> I guess I'm asking you to remember back, like, 20 years when I asked you to remember, like, when you were a fan. Like, I would I, I would never have been caught dead watching a spring game in college.
1: I would have probably watched, like, the USC one. Well, you know, I didn't, though. Um, yeah,
0: that's the thing. I did not. <laughs> I did not go to these.
1: Yeah. I, like, I don't think I would have Twitter unless I did this for a job, you know. And I, I'm on Twitter all the time, but I'm trying to think, like, if I didn't have – if I wasn't doing this for a living, like, would I really have Twitter? I don't know. Like, Yeah. I wouldn't Well, now we're this- getting into
0: some existential stuff. But the main thing is, why is there a flyover over a spring game?
1: Well, they do. There's, like, a tradition there that they do this military appreciation thing. So the servicemen and women will come out with each player. So it's kind of nice what they do. Um, but, yeah, the flyover, I, I think that's great. Do you necessarily need a flyover? I don't know. But I thought that was kind of cool. It's different. You know, no one else did that.
0: Yeah, of course no one else did that. <laughs>
1: um, they had a really weird scoring system. So this was the game. Um, it was offense versus defense. So it was like green versus yellow. They called it Thunder versus Lightning. Um, if you had an explosive play, that was worth extra points. So um, it, I think it was pretty much skewed for the offense. Uh, and right. it ended up being this huge, like the high, super high scoring game. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it was, I think it was tougher on the defense. But yeah, if you got like a 10-yard a, a run or I think it was 15-yard run or whatever, whatever you just call an explosive play, you got an extra two points for that. Um, they interviewed Mario Cristobal, and he said he's focused on being a more disciplined team, attention to detail, trying to be more physical, didn't want to see the penalties and things like that. So I think, you know, it's kind of like preaching some of the fundamental stuff. Um, Justin Herbert came in and – uh he went three and out to start but after that i think he did really well he had like a but oh um he had a really good drive and then he threw a 100 yard pick six <laughs> 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 and he to, and like so that that's a lot of points for the defense and it's still the offense blew him away cuz it, it it was really hard for the defense to score but you had like a 100 yard pick six and it's still i think he forced a throw a little bit but um he had some good drives later he had a, a screen pass that went for a TV a TD. They said he was working on his voice, trying to make him more vocal. Um, Cause I guess he's not the most, you know, he doesn't have the most outgoing gregarious personality or whatever. So I think they're trying to work on that to make sure he, you know, commands the huddle and uh, well, I don't know how much they're going to huddle, but you know, commanding that. And uh, that's something they're actually working on. Um, we got to see Braxton Burmeister a lot. Um, so you got to see him last year. If you remember, uh, he had a touchdown in his first drive it Was mostly running, Uh, He had a really nice TD pass later. I liked the way he looked. And then, uh, um, was it Tyler Shaw? Uh, I forget.
0: Uh, uh, Is it Shuff or Shaw? I I think it's
1: Shuff. Yeah, I think they said, I don't know. But S-H-O-U-G-H. I forget how they pronounce it. It was something like Tyler Shaw. They said it weird. but Shouag. Shouag? Shouag. Let's call him Shouag. Okay, Tyler Shouag. He's a true freshman. Tyler Schrowag from Arizona. Uh, he had a nice TD pass on his first drive, too, and got some more TDs later. I thought he looked pretty good, um, especially for a true freshman. It just ended up being like a lot, a lot of scoring. So even though the defense would get some big plays, there was just no way they could keep up with uh, the kind of offense that was going. So I forget. It was like 80-something to like 50-something or something. Like the score was some ridiculous high number.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that looks outside of a spring game, um, that offense. Uh, I think there's still question marks about it um, because, you know, it's going to be a different thing because Willie Taggart designed it and called the plays. Um, so I'm interested to see how, how that does in a situation where they have to score points the traditional way rather than with like nonsense things like extra points for explosive plays. Um, but yeah, OK, sounds fun.
1: Yeah. So that's my uh, spring football report.
0: That was great. I loved every minute.
1: You did? I don't know. I don't think you did. But there, it's it's way better for me when they have more informative broadcasts. You know, it, it was just a wide range. Like sometimes you didn't get a whole lot of information, and sometimes there are a lot of good tidbits that we're, we could use later or, or, or gain insight from.
0: Yeah, a lot of a lot of tidbits. I like the tidbits. A lot, of, a lot of bits of tid. <laughs> <laughs> um you want to do some texts
1: right. or you want to do emails what do you want to do
0: let's just dive into some texts okay all right we're going to start with brian from livermore Are you ready yes love the show i'd be interested if you guys actually took a preseason bracketology approach to the conference win losses in many of the podcasts reviewing all the teams and their win projections this season so many of them end up saying six to ten wins But I'd love to know how real that is, because every team cannot end up with 10 wins. You could take it game by game and then play out the season and see who comes out on top of your bracket. Does anyone actually get 10 wins, Cal, uh, or more than one OSU? Thoughts? We do this um, every year. Uh, We've done it the last two years, at least, in August, where we'll do our, like, you know, where I, this is actually one of the things where I do it, and then I force Ryan to do it, um, because I like doing this. Um, where I'll do like a matrix of all the games and then I'll um, come up with records. Um, I want to say last year we were pretty bad, uh, but most years were awful. (laughs) Um, So last year I think was better than most, um, but most years were terrible. Um, Our friend Andrew still gives me crap to this day for saying that Washington was going to get like fewer than three wins one year, which was cool. Um, They haven't done that um, since, I don't know, like 2005. Um, so yeah, um I think we'll do this. I don't think either of us is ready to to nail down. I mean, obviously Cal is going to win 10, maybe 11 games.
1: Yeah, 10 or uh, 11. We're not sure which, but
0: it's hard to say, but obviously more than more than 9. Um Oh, we should give a shout out. Yeah, we have to. Our man Ryan Gorsey, uh from bearterritory.net has moved on to was it the San Francisco Herald?
1: I uh oh, crap. I believe that's what it was. Yeah. Um and he's, yeah, he's going to be like a sports editor there.
0: Yeah, that's super cool. Um, so, so Ryan is, uh, Ryan is moving on. Um, so we'll have to find somebody else to provide the insight into Cal football. Or maybe we can still talk to Ryan, who knows? Um, but um, so good for him. Good luck to him. Um, but we'll have to, we'll have to get somebody else who gives us that, that, that look of, at Cal, that, that look that lets us know that there's hope. In, in bear territory
1: yeah so they're uh i guess they have a few candidates um to replace uh ryan so we don't we're not sure who uh 24 7 is is going to hire but um you yeah, in the meantime you know we'll get uh we'll you know we we'll probably Ryan would probably still do it right he's uh he's he's still around
0: yeah i would think he's still gonna somewhat follow cal for sure um, and then he asks, where do you think ESPN game day goes in the Pac-12, assuming both teams are undefeated when they play? Um, I guess we'll, we can put a pin in this and answer it when we actually do the schedule.
1: Yeah, probably. I think that would be... Because
0: uh... that'll, be, that'll be difficult to do beforehand.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you assume they're undefeated, like, there's a lot of great games that you could potentially Yeah, do. if
0: you assume they're undefeated, anybody late in the season, basically. Yeah. Because they'll all be relatively highly ranked
1: There's so. as long as like, you know, if it's something where like last year USC and Washington state could have been on game day, but they, there was a Friday night game. Um, those two teams play again on a Friday this year. So something like that would eliminate it or last year, Washington and Stanford played on a Friday, you know, so, um, not that they were, I don't think they were in the position to, but if both of those teams were undefeated, I don't think they play on a Friday this year, but, um, yeah, that, that would be uh, that that would be more difficult. So the Pac-12 kind of schedules some of those, we, you know, if those weird ones would eliminate some things. But you know, any good Saturday undefeated game, I think, would work pretty well.
0: Yeah. So um, maybe we can answer that like what we think are the most likely, because obviously they're not going to pick every game, but like you know, based on what we think their records are going to be, what we think will likely get game day, we can do that when we do the schedule breakdown. Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm trying to look on his. Um, course uh timeline here to see where he's going uh where's it hold on let me pull it up i want to get the thing right uh let's crap i can't find it his thing is long okay um but he's he's moving on (laughs) i was like i like i clicked on the story and it was like thanking everybody i'm like okay I, i'm not seeing where he's going here right away i don't want to just spend re- time reading the story while we're we're on the air so ryan I,
0: I think this is making great radio right now and i think we should just continue with <laughs> it i'm gonna i'm gonna continue searching for ryan Gorsey's um future destination because i think that's what the people are demanding right now you can continue talking about whatever you want though
1: all right we got a couple tweets uh rivers 253 he said i love your podcast big huskies fan you guys Constantly clown Jake Browning. I primarily, primarily agree, he's overrated. But why do you guys feel he is not good? Um, I do, I definitely don't feel he's not good. I think he's a, he's a good player. Um, we just it just became this joke that's gone on. Um, I don't know about overrated, but I think he's like a a decent college quarterback. But I, you know there was no.
0: I think he's properly rated as like a top eight, top ten, <laughs> somewhere in that range. pac twelve quarterback. I don't think we're being jocular there i think that's just the way it is yeah
1: um but thank you for that one he's a he's a new follower of ours on uh on the twitter so that's dre he's
0: going to the san francisco examiner
1: san francisco examiner okay good i'm glad you could find it you were better at multitasking than i was trying to talk in the
0: well i'm rarely listening to you when you talk (laughs) so it helps that's a benefit when i'm trying to multitask because i can just continue doing what i typically do anyway
1: we have uh, this next text. Should we give out the numbers of everybody? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> here's the phone number. If you don't like this person, uh, this one is from. This kind of long. Um, C Honey nineteen.
0: Is uh, that C Honey nineteen or Choney? I think I've had this. He's a he's a UCLA guy, and I think I've had that exact question. Oh. Uh, so many times. Maybe Choney. Like, is it is it Choney or is it C Honey?
1: I don't know. Like text us and let us know, or we could text him. And ask yeah, or her. Uh, I don't know. Uh, this is kind of long. This is a series of like some. It's funny when you get texts on this thing. Like some people's texts can come out in long like paragraphs and other people like two lines. And then it has to be a new text. And it's like 15 texts from the guy. Uh, Great job with the podcast, fellas. Thanks for all the effort and the quality you put forth through this podcast. One of the best I've listened to. Well, that's very nice. Yeah. My questions. Yeah. One, with the FBI investigation going on in college basketball and its reach over college programs, I think it means shoe companies, parents, agents, handlers, and players, do you think or expect this to somehow improve the quality of NCAA college basketball as a quality product or have too many other factors ruined it beyond repair? You're the expert, Dave. What do you think?
0: I mean, there's certainly a a way it could – I mean, it depends on what your definition of improve is. I think the end result will be that the NBA will just relax its restrictions and allow 18-year-olds back into the league again. And, I mean, there's so many ramifications of this that you don't really know. Maybe it's the FBI investigation ends up being so pervasive and so universal that it basically ends scholarship college basketball as a sport. And that means that the NBA will have to develop a really robust minor league, which means there won't be college basketball anymore. Um, That's maybe the most extreme version. Um, The version you're probably looking for is one where, you know, maybe it uh, makes all that AAU stuff, you know, not something you can do anymore, but everything else remains relatively the same. And, yeah, you could see a situation where that eventually clears out and improves college basketball a little bit. Um, I don't see a scenario where this ends up good for college basketball or, I mean, in the sense that, you know, as a sport for fans to watch, I think it'll probably end up better for the players in the long run, maybe. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm having a hard time to see a whole lot of positive ramifications for fans of the sport. Um, what few of you remain
1: out there. It's just not as consumable of a product as it was before. And I don't know about any of this making it better. Um I don't would you rather see just players be able to go to yeah. like a the the G League right away or would you like to see like a college baseball college football model where if you go to college you have to stay 2 or 3 years or something
0: I mean as a crazy selfish fan um I would want to see the second as a human being yeah I want to see guys being able to get paid for what they do as early as possible why not
1: I guess you, you know, could why, do both right you could just go to you could go to the nba right away or if you do go to college you need to stay for x amount of years
0: yeah but what if you go to college and suddenly you know as an 18 year old you grow four inches and suddenly you're a much better prospect you're telling me you still have to intern for two years before you can go get paid yeah i think that's unfair i mean i i think you make it so guys can go whenever they want um you don't put the crazy restrictions there on it now and you know Up the number of scholarships you'll offer as a basketball program to account for it so that you don't have to worry as much about, you know, make it 15 scholarships you can offer instead of 13 so that you can account for it a little bit better with roster management, whatever it has to be. But there's an equitable situation where you don't, you know, force guys who don't want to be in college to stay in college just because this is the only avenue that's reasonable. I mean, I guess you could go to the G League straight out of high school. I think that's an option. Or you can go play in Europe, but I don't know. That's a that's a pretty big barrier to entry for a lot of these guys, um, especially when if the le- the field was if the playing field was level, a lot of these guys could at eighteen go and get millions of dollars. Yeah. So, yeah, the, I think they should be able to get immediately out of high school.
1: The uh, I think the did the if I saw this right the the Ball brothers or like they're came they're coming back from Lithuania. Their dad pulled them out of that league or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's. <laughs> that's its own kind of weird i mean they, they pulled a fifth what was he what was Lamello? i think he was 15 or 16 they pulled him out of high school to go play in europe yeah that's not great
1: no uh crazy stuff there okay second one with the pac-12 network putting so much value and investment into olympic sports can you speak to the quality of olympic sports programs in the pac-12 are they even good and winning national championships which pac-12 programs are considered elite and which ones stink how are the la programs
0: Wow. Um,
1: In in general, they're really good. Yeah, yeah,
0: the Pac 12 kicks butt at Olympic sports. Um, Water polo. I mean, I I think the Pac 12 is the only major league. Well, it's the MPSF, but I think the MPSF is the only major league that plays water polo, (laughs) (laughs) aside from some Ivy Leagues. Um, uh, I mean, win stuff like
1: golf and tennis and, like, yeah. UCLA
0: just won women's gymnastics.
1: Oh, Um, yeah.
0: I mean, Stanford wins all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, Fencing. soccer, yeah. soccer's big. Um,
1: yeah. yeah multiple, I mean, you, you, even softball. Like, you know, there's all kinds of, yeah. Like
0: baseball, it, Oregon state has a dynasty up there. Um,
1: yeah, there've been, you know, there, lots of Pac-12 programs have won baseball titles. It's, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's no lack of, of cha- That's why the PAC 12 has 500 championships. You know, it's just, you're putting a crap load of those on live television and nobody's watching them. So that's the problem. Like, it's not like that they're not good, but, you know, if you're a Cal fan and the rugby team's going to win the national championship, are you likely to watch that? I, I don't know, but it doesn't seem like people are.
0: Well, and the very definition of the sport is that they're not revenue sports. They don't make any money because nobody watches them. So why would you decide that you're going to put those on TV? They don't make any money because nobody is going out to see them. Why would anybody be watching them on TV?
1: Yeah. All right. uh, Three. This question is specifically for the Oregon reporter and Ryan. Who's the Oregon reporter? Do we have? It's not you, right? I don't know what. um... I don't know. I'm not sure what he means by that. UCLA fans are getting nervous about Chip Kelly's. Oh,
0: he's wondering about Chip Kelly's history. So that's why he's asking for an Oregon reporter. Okay. we
1: we don't have one on hand, uh, but we'll do our best to answer ourselves. Uh, UCLA fans are getting nervous about Chip Kelly's recruiting tactics which maybe David could recap for listeners at more depth, basically not being aggressive, emphasizing evaluation, slow playing recruits, ignoring star ratings, not dealing with seven on seven programs, etc. Do you this... want me to, ev- do
0: you want me to elaborate now or wait?
1: Uh, yeah, if you go ahead, you can ev- elaborate now. That's fine.
0: Okay. So I think I talked about this a little bit last week, but, um, Chip Kelly, um, is frustrating. A lot of UCLA fans, um, UCLA's only offered 37 guys at this point. Maybe it's been a couple more since then. But um, at this time last week, they'd only offered 37 total guys in the 2019 class, which is minuscule. There there are schools out there that have offered 300 guys at this point. Um, so they're not offering a ton of guys, and they're also not recruiting the guys they've offered very hard, like in the sense that a lot of other schools recruit now, where it's like pretty much full bore from the beginning of – march basically all the way through signing day Um, they're not doing that Um, they're going to ramp things up starting this next week or so Um, but they're they haven't been really heavy on it Um, and their whole philosophy right now has been double and triple evaluate these guys before even getting really involved with them they're evaluating for academics for character for all these other things as well as You know, do they fit the the measurements? Do they fit the kind of player they want and all this other stuff? And what it's ending up being is, you know, they're they're not going after some big time guys like Brew McCoy. They're not spending a whole lot of time going after him. And he's this huge, you know, can play basically anywhere on the field. Probably going to end up a linebacker at the next level. But he's a modern day superstar, not spending a whole lot of time recruiting him. um, But they are, you know, offering, you know, some random three star you've never heard of. Um, and if that sounds like anything else in the PAC 12, it sounds like Washington kind of, especially Washington when they first started out under Chris Peterson. And it's been a similar tumult in the fan base. Um, Washington fans were a little like, huh, what's this guy doing? Um, and I think UCLA fans are kind of in that mold right now. And, uh, we'll see if it works as well for Chip Kelly as it did for Chris Peterson.
1: Yeah. Um, and so he was saying, is this similar pattern compared to his time at Oregon Can you talk about how fans felt about his recruiting? As I recall, reading it it was maddening for your fan base as well. Uh, I don't recall. I don't know if you remember much, Dave. And obviously, we don't have an Oregon reporter on to kind of break it down.
0: I want to say it wasn't quite. I think he feels like he can be more selective at UCLA, which is probably true to an extent. Um, Oregon, it doesn't have the recruiting base. And so especially when he was first starting out there, he had to kind of, you know, turn up rocks and and look under rocks and that sort of thing to find guys. Um, And I don't know that uh, he feels the same way at UCLA where there's, I think there was probably a little bit more desperation at Oregon, but I think the base philosophy is the same. I think he was trying to evaluate based off his own evaluation skills and not necessarily star ratings. Like a lot of, a lot of staffs recruit off of lists Um, that'll happen. I know it's happened with USC in the past. Um, I know it's happened with UCLA in the past where, you know, if a guy's not four or five stars, he might not be getting much of a look. Um, because, you know, I think schools like that generally, cause they have the ability to get so many guys, um, USC because of the brand UCLA, because of the location, they kind of feel like, Oh, we'll let the recruiting services kind of filter it for us. And then we'll just take a look at which, you know, four stars we want to go get. Um, and I, I think at Oregon, he, he learned that that's not really the way Oregon can be. And so he, you know, trusted his own evaluation skills and it worked out for him. And so now I think he's applying it at UCLA with the sense probably that he can um, be even more selective because more guys are going to want to go to UCLA than went to Oregon.
1: Yeah. Um, and then he said, Ryan, what are your thoughts on Chip Kelly's recruiting approach at UCLA, considering USC seems to be. A complete opposite in recruiting style and basically gets first dibs on West coast recruits. Are there some parts you wish USC would emulate? Thanks guys. Keep up the good work. Uh, Choney or Sihani. honey 19. Yeah, I wouldn't worry. like you're a UCLA fan. I would not worry about uh, what chip Kelly's recruiting approach is in April. Uh, Recruiting has changed so much. And like Dave said, I mean, it's a different environment and I think you probably have to wait a couple cycles Offers don't really mean much anymore, and I think you know what Chip Kelly's doing is making offers mean more. Um, Offers now are basically like, "Hey, I'm interested." Like um, on on Facebook, like they used to have the poke function or whatever. Like you're just like poking someone, like, "Hey, I offered this guy." Most of these offers or a lot of them aren't committable offers. Like if you say you know you're Chip Kelly and you walk in, or you're you're Nick Saban and you you offer some kid in Hawaii. to make a splash and he said, yeah, coach, I'm ready to commit. And he's like, "Mm, no, you can't do that. There's not like, there's a lot of offers that just don't really mean all that much. So a lot of times an offer is just like a, a, an intent to date. And it's, it used to be more of a serious thing and now it's, it's really not. So I certainly wouldn't worry about it. Um, I think we've seen at times, I think early on in like Clay Helton's tenure too, they didn't do as many offers and then they would start coming out in waves. it's just kind of. I think there's just different approaches. I wouldn't worry about that if you're a big, you know, a UCLA fan. Wait till you know signing day or a couple signing days and say, "Huh this this is an interesting approach." But to, to do it right now in April, it's just so different right now, and uh, they've got so many other things to kind of worry about. I, I really wouldn't worry too much about it.
0: Yeah, I mean that's probably fair. Um, I I reserve the right to worry about whatever I want, Ryan.
1: <laughs> worry uh, away, Dave.
0: And like, I'm always like leery of giving too much of a honeymoon to anybody because, you know, the, the shine can fall off somebody really quick. Uh, but with Chip Kelly, obviously he's, you know, this, his, his track record Oregon is unimpeachable. So you have to give it, you have to give it time. You have to look at it. You have to look at it once, you know, at least once one cycle is done. But honestly, yeah, I mean, it's two years because, he did do so well at Oregon. Um, and UCLA is in a little bit of a rebuild situation. I think it's being overstated by guys like Bruce Feldman right now, who um, I think, you know, he's probably getting it from the staff that UCLA's talent is so horrible. And I, I think that's probably overstating the situation, but they are in a little bit of a rebuild situation. Um, so it'll probably take two years to really know which direction this is going. And, you know, I was doing a. a you know, I was looking at, like, when elite coaches have taken over, like, second college programs, how long it's taken before they've been proven to be elite again. And if they're following the Peterson model, which it sounds like, at least from a recruiting perspective, they kind of are, it took Peterson three years to get to where Washington was clearly elite or clearly, you know, a very good program. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it'd be reasonable for it to expect, for you to expect Uh, it should take a similar amount of time for Kelly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I get it. Uh, I think some of it's just going to be strategy. If everybody's offering everyone and it means nothing and you're a smart guy, you're like, you know what we're going to do? We're not going to offer that many. Um, And sometimes it's great. It's good to be the first guy in on a three-star that is going to get offered by other people. When you get offered by UCLA or USC or someone, usually – it gets people's attention and you move up the ranking. So I, you know, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I mean, it could be a thing where there's 37 offers out now and then they give like 200 of them during the May evaluation. You know, who knows, you know, like there's different strategies I think you can kind of utilize, but if everyone else is, is, is just offering like crazy and they're not committable um, and he wants to do it a different way. And like, Hey, if you get an offer from us, it really means something. I mean, that, that could be a strategy that works too. Yeah agreed who knows uh but I, all yeah. right dave's gonna oh. worry but ucla fans out there i wouldn't worry too much
0: okay there you go <laughs> all right then we got a series of texts from nameless person um that i actually responded to oh, yeah. i'll i kind of recap it here uh, so the initial question was let me get this straight woods believes in giving time to see if new coaches and recruiting works but claims herm will fail from day one I can't tell if powder blue is his favorite color or if he's just falling in line with the national narrative. All right, so everyone out there, if you want me to respond to your text message, that's exactly the <laughs> tone to take—something vaguely insulting, vaguely like insinuating I'm a huge homer because I'm going to respond to that because uh, yeah, I, I've got a I've got a complex. Um, so I responded and basically said no, I've 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 you know been pretty consistent in my opinion about Herm. I don't I, I don't care about any of the like bombast and all that kind of stuff it's he was an unsuccessful head coach in the nfl he had two 10 win seasons in eight years um and was otherwise uh mediocre to bad and he has never coached in college so yeah i'd be shocked if he ends up good the reason why you give chip kelly benefit of the doubt is because he was 46 and 7 and he went to a bcs game every single year at oregon now obviously he didn't have a great run in the nfl either but he had as many 10 win years as herm edwards did And Chip Kelly coached half the years in the NFL that Herm Edwards did. So um, I don't think there's any real comparing the two. So, yeah, I'm a little bit skeptical about Chip Kelly's execution of the recruiting strategy. But obviously, um, like I said, I I think the strategy is sound. It's just – and his track record earns him some leeway. And then he went in about um, comparing the two's NFL winning percentages, which, I mean – Again, I mean, yeah, overall winning percentage because Chip had a horrific final year at San Francisco. But even then, Chip's is 44 percent and Herm's is 41 percent and Herm coached for eight seasons. Um, So not great. And then uh, he says about being an ASU fan. "Um, I was not originally happy with Herm, but this is more than Herm. He has surrounded himself with a solid defensive staff. While maintaining continuity on the offensive side, if anything, defensive improvement, which doesn't take much, will make ASU better than the last gram years. The biggest concern to me is maintaining offensive success long-term with coaches who have a questionable last, but the talent is there to win now on offense. I don't know what that meant and i'm trying to figure it out but i don't know yeah Uh, but the talent is there to win now in offense the staff has already proven they can recruit with the second signing period and i think that's all probably fair i think they have hired a solid defensive staff i like the san diego state um protege as dc um i like all that but again i just don't think there's any real comparison between chip and herm and then um You know he, and then I thought he made a really good point at the end, which was um, to me Chip Kelly's uh, college record only shortens the amount of time he gets, as he has proven he can win at a high level. You get what you pay for. If you buy a Ferrari, it better perform. Herm coaching college is an unknown, just like Carroll at USC. Of course, Pete is an outlier, but no one has a crystal ball. And I think all of that is completely fair. Um, And I think uh, you know I think Chip having that track record, it does put more pressure on him to turn out not just you know, pretty good UCLA averaging like eight or nine wins, but elite UCLA, get it back to, you know, where it was in like the super elite Terry Donahue final year, uh, final years of the eighties with Troy Aikman. And even then they were only 10 and two. I think people have loftier expectations, um, for Chip Kelly at UCLA. So I think there is more of that. So I think that was all fair.
1: Yeah. And and, you know, and it's not like, Okay, uh, national media was saying Herb's gonna suck, so we're saying that. Like, I think we said that right away. Like, that was the first thing out of our mouths. And then he kept doing things that were like weirder and stranger. And, um, you know, I'm not, t- you know, if I had to bet, yeah, I would bet it's gonna be a colossal failure. But, um, that like I said before, there's a part of me that's just kind of rooting because everyone think- thinks it's gonna be terrible. There's a part of me that's just like, man, maybe it works somehow. But the more th- the more I see, the more it uh, it's just I have a hard time uh, doing that, and and I think we have a question. Well, what's the qu- we have a question too about what would mean like what would hit like what uh, would be his success or, like what would uh, be the definition of success for him right Was that a different question we had?
0: Yeah, that's the next text. If you want to read it,
1: should we go there? Okay, let's do that. Yeah, let's go to it. Um, so he said, David, uh, this is Andrew, the iCharts guy. Question: Define success for Herm Edwards. It seems to me that the college football narrative is always so cloaked in vague terminology, which allows everybody to claim they were right. How about some specifics, which will breed accountability? How many years will he coach there? Will he win a South title? Will he win a conference title? And will he make the college football playoff? Will they be above 500 in conference play in consecutive seasons starting in year three? Uh, where w- Will they average nationally in the metric consensus Will they be about the same or clearly worse than they were under Todd Graham? There's only one person in this earth who I would rather answer those questions specifically and not evasively than you. And his his name is Ray Anderson. P.S. Brandon Huffman loves you. He loves your Archie McRedface joke. You wanna explain it's what anger, that is? Anger McRedface. Oh, um it says Yeah, Archie. I read
0: a, I, I read a little um viewing guide um for the Football games during the year. Um, just like a little Friday kind of fun thing. And I refer to Brian Kelly as anger McRedface.
1: <laughs> I like that. Um, but yeah, and then you respond. A little bit of a
0: rude Irish joke.
1: It, a little bit, yeah. Uh, so he wrote, uh, let's see, Modern Political Athletic Administration 101, be very vague, uh, thereby increasing the odds of being able to claim success at some point down the road. As much of a pompous, and nepotistic clown as I think Ray Anderson is, I guess I have to give him some credit for actually being rather specific with his expectations. Top 15 nationally. Um, yeah. So I would think if you look at what ASU was able to do, especially last year, finishing second in the PAC 12 South and kind of coming on strong, a huge win, uh, was it over Washington, right? They got the big win over Washington. Um, I mean, you got to be better than that. Like (laughs) you got, you got a lot of offensive pieces coming back. Um, This is not a go six and six and you're, I mean, what do you think uh, was going to happen? You know, if you kept the, you know, the previous regime in place, like you would have probably been better than that. You know, could you have been competing for the PAC 12 South, which seems pretty open this year. So I think, um, you know, you give them a year or two, but, if you're not winning the South, um, I don't know you're you're putting yourself in any better position than what you were under Todd Graham, and uh, you know, especially with Ray Anderson being, you know, his former agent, it just just you know, it's everything looks bad, and all the 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 media stuff, all the stuff that the silly things that he said, you have to really perform. So for me, I well, I would be surprised if he has. Similar results to what Todd Graham has had over the past few years. I don't even think that's good enough. Whereas I would be impressed if he did. But the way you hired him, I don't even think that would be good enough. I think you got to be um, winning the Pac-12 South within a couple of years and, and being ranked in the top 25. I'm not going to say top 15. But if you're not a ranked team uh, all the time, then this probably wasn't the right move.
0: All right, so I'm going to answer the questions. Uh, how many years will he be the coach there? Four. Will he win a South title? No. Will he win a conference title? No. Will he make the college football playoff? No. Will they be above 500 in conference play in consecutive seasons? Yes. Starting in year three, where will they average nationally in the metrics consensus? So since I'm thinking he's only going to be there for two years starting in year three, um, they will average – in the 50 to 75 range. I think they'll be really bad in that year four. Wow. Um, Will they be about the same or clearly worse than they were under Todd Graham? Clearly worse. And there's only one person on this earth. Thank you very much to lump me in with Ray Anderson. I appreciate it.
1: (laughs) Uh, Maybe I didn't answer it the right way. I'm just kind of giving my thoughts there, but I wasn't. Oh, no,
0: I wanted to answer all of the questions.
1: Nice. Okay. Because
0: I was, I was asked to give definitive answers. You can put those up on a whiteboard um, because Everybody cares what I think. Everyone,
1: I do. I care. As you should. Yeah, you know. All right. I feel bad though, because it's like it's everyone piles on the guy, and they've made some good hires. I think there's some some positive. I'm not things. piling
0: on him for anything he's said. Um, I just don't think he's a good coach. Yeah, that's it. That's I think all That's all I'm, fair. That's that's where I am. Um, I think he's a I, I think he's a mediocrity from a coaching perspective. We'll see if and I'll a hundred percent if I'm wrong. That's great. I, I hope I'm wrong. That would be lovely, but um, I just, I, I have a hard time seeing it. Gotcha. All right. And then Day, our man. Oh, yeah. He's got an email question. In like a lion, a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned that in every spring game, there's a player who comes out of nowhere and has a phenomenal performance the fans can't stop talking about, but the professional talent watchers know will never see the field in competition. Here's my challenge for you boys this week. Who are those guys for your own schools this year, and can you name one for each of the other conference
1: teams? No. God. <laughs> wow. Can I just no. answer that by saying no?
0: Yeah, there's no way I could name that for a single <laughs> other conference team. Um, for UCLA? Geez. I don't know. I, 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 It's kind of unfair because he was actually like, you know – I'm, I'm still skeptical of Christian Pabico who's actually going to be a starting receiver this year, just because he wasn't very good in games last year after being excellent in practice. Um, so I'd be interested to see what he does this year, but I'm not ready to say that he's never going to see the field. I just don't think he's going to match his practice or performance. Um, I don't know if there's anybody super obvious this year otherwise, though.
1: Yeah, I, I can't even really come up with anyone from USC off the top of my head. I think in general, and you know, they didn't really have a spring game, so it's not like um we've seen stuff like in years past where uh some guy that, you know, maybe was a highly ranked player that had a huge spring and then didn't do anything. There really wasn't anything like that. Sometimes it's a walk-on player and like people will come to practice and a guy'll make like a a whole bunch of catches and then they'll ask you, Hey, who's that? And and you can say something like You'd be snarky and like, it doesn't matter. Cause yes, he made like five catches in a row, but he's never going to play. So don't worry about it. Um, I just haven't seen a whole lot of that uh, lately. Cause it's not been really spring game um, like, you know? So I, yeah, it's Hitler Day. You got some really great questions. I'm not sure this is one of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, do better. Is
1: that me? I that know mean? you
0: gave us, I know you gave us like seven shows, but do better, Hitler Day. <laughs>
1: it's just hard. You know, let's uh, have people write in. Is there someone that you would follow that you saw in the spring and, um, you know?
0: Yeah, there we go. As you're telling us why we're horrifically wrong and why I specifically am horrifically wrong with who I picked from your team for the fantasy draft, also tell us who stood out that you don't think is ever going to play during your spring practices. Yeah.
1: Uh, you want me to read Michael's? Please do. It's 89 Ute. Uh, that's how he signs off. He says, Hi from Utah. So we got a Utah fan. Bet you didn't know you have a loyal listener from Utah. Actually, Utah is like, they're pretty strong. Their Twitter game and everything, it's pretty strong. So, you know, when we talk uh, smack or say something good about Utah, we always get some reaction. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. You picked me up as a customer about when you started the infrastructure series that Hitler Day. See, Hitler Day's got us a listener. So, yeah, you know, that's right. I trashed you in the last email. I'm thanking you, Hitler Day, here in this one. <laughs> I listen. <laughs>
0: He turned us off. He was not listening after
1: that. (laughs) I listened to all of them in every podcast since. I found you guys on Twitter. Someone I follow, can't remember who, tweeted or retweeted something about you guys, and bam, you have no idea how long I've been searching for something like this. No one is podcasting about the entire conference, except you guys, as far as I know. Um, John Wilner does one occasionally. He's not, not very consistent, I would think, and they're... There've been a couple but I don't I don't think there's any more that are really going besides ours.
0: Yeah, and we're doing it every week in the off season. Damn Who it? Does that. Yeah, can you
1: believe this is like David Wood's most the most committed he's ever been to anything and he has like two children. So that's yeah, like I
0: know. This is I'm more <laughs> committed to this show than I am to anything else in the world.
1: He said, "I don't mind at all that you're a little USC UCLA centric because we're in the same division and I'm very interested in what's going on with those programs." I wouldn't say we're more centric. That's just, we just know that better. I mean, that's because that's what we do. Uh, which I, we, we don't, at least I don't, we don't try to be, um, and we apologize if we do, but like, that's obviously we know those programs because that's what we cover for a living. Yeah, um, I think
0: if the, I'm definitely guilty of, I liken things back to a situation at UCLA, but that's only because it's largely my frame of reference. Yeah. Um. You know, but yeah, I mean, we probably do more than we know because- you know, yeah, But
1: But we but Michael, people like you writing in is great because we wanna we wanna make sure that it's not in the beginning we mostly had USC and UCLA people writing in. So this is much better for us when we get other perspectives. So too. much better. Yeah. Love it so much more. I've learned a few little tips Honestly
0: tid- LA fans are just kinda
1: <laughs> you know
0: like they're always so eh.
1: Uh, Utah fans are usually great, man. They're usually like Utah really fans into it. are great. Yeah,
0: I like all the Arizona State people too. We don't have as many Arizona people. We've got a lot of Arizona State people, uh, Washington people. I like them a lot. Yeah. Washington State they are great. Um, don't have many Stanford because I think that that one fan of theirs is just busy inventing yeah.
1: something. <laughs> we had a Cal fan uh, call in a couple times. We need that again.
0: Well, we have him calling in to give us recaps and stuff. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha.
1: (laughs) Somebody else. That was not Mr. Gorfie. (laughs) You see Um, what I did there? (laughs) I do. We need some more Oregon, Oregon State people too, I think. Yeah, Um, we definitely
0: do. We definitely
1: do. More of everybody. We need it all. We Uh, need all of
0: you. Every one of you. Ask a friend to listen to us. Yeah. Probably not this show. This show's been a little weak, but like a good show. Find that Willner (laughs) show. Show it
1: to people. Um, yeah, show it. Don't actually have him listen to it. Just right, say, just, oh, isn't it beautiful? Yeah, take a picture of the screenshot of the <laughs> iTunes and show it to him. Isn't this amazing?
0: Oh, wow. We're only an hour in, and it's already getting weird.
1: It's really kind of weird. Uh, I think I got weird once I started looking for Gorsi's uh, destination. <laughs> yeah. I really got stumbled when I saw his like tribute content item, and I couldn't find where he was going easily. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. Gorsi got me again. Okay, I've learned a few little tidbits from you guys on each show. What you guys are doing is very difficult. It's hard to know all the little nitty-gritty things about everyone in the conference, but you guys managed to deliver. Keep it up. Well, thanks. I'm sure I'll have some questions and ideas and plan on emailing you regularly. I'm very excited about what you are doing. How long have you been at this? What, five Uh, weeks now? What are we? No. (laughs)
0: Uh, I think we're we're almost at our three-year anniversary.
1: Pretty close. Because
0: it was after the NFL draft. In 2015 when we had our first show
1: yeah we uh, so
0: i think it was sometime in may
1: yeah Mike juarez 25. right we were at redondo beach high school that's right watching Mike juarez and decided to come up with a show uh last show with wilner was terrific thanks for getting him on your spring game breakdowns were informative i came away from it knowing a little bit more about the other teams and that's exactly why i'm here this is great stuff Uh, Those games are tough to watch. I fell asleep during the UCLA spring game, so I'm glad you guys are hanging in there. That really wasn't Uh, a very good one. By such a thin thread.
0: (laughs) By such a thin thread. Uh, Yeah, that one, honestly, that was, I've watched, I'm a connoisseur of spring games. That's why I hate them so much. Um, And uh, that UCLA spring game was among the worst.
1: Uh, It was pretty bad. So, Yeah, when I didn't get any notes, I'm like, this is not this is not worth my time watching. As far as uh, your Pac-12 teams you're going to be picking, I'll offer some suggestions.
0: Oh Uh, man, I should have read this too. Yeah,
1: so you're right about Alex Smith, good NFL quarterback, but there are a zillion other Pac-12 QBs to pick from. That makes sense. Don't overlook Weddle. Uh, I didn't. You picked picked him. him. Yeah, he was a 2007 draft, if I remember correctly. I think one of you mentioned it's going to be tough finding Utah guys from 2000 to 2011. When we joined the conference, another is Jordan Gross, drafted in 2003. Uh, he was an All-American offensive lineman too, Dave, so it was another one. I didn't know about him. He might have been someone interesting to pick. He said, there are others. Utah's put a ton of guys in the NFL. These are just off the top of my head and should stack up well against other Pac-12 players. Looking forward to the next podcast. Sincerely, 89 Ute.
0: That was great. That was great. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think of Jordan Gross. 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 Is it Gross or Gross? I- i think it's gross i'm just i'm screwing up so badly hey i want to take people behind the curtain real quick because we're gonna like we're gonna be like a little tight for the rest of this show ryan's computer like (laughs) broke down like if you go back and listen to right after um he was reading the question i think one of you mentioned it's going to be tough finding utah guys from 2000 2011 right then where it picks up again our lives flashed before our very eyes like 10 minutes of time elapsed there where Ryan's computer broke, and we were just waiting here hoping that the audio would pick up, and it did. It yes. saved automatically. We were in fine shape, but we didn't know. No, and That uncertainty is going to cloud the rest of this podcast, I think.
1: Well, luckily, we're almost done. The rest done. of our
0: time, actually, on this show.
1: Yeah, it was an hour and 37 minutes in, and the I clicked on... Um, the, the wiki link for Jordan gross to see, Oh, okay. What, uh, what's what's this guy about? And it just froze. I was like, Oh crap. It just, everything crashed and, uh, restarted. And I was a little worried that's happened before. And I lost, uh, audio that I was recording at the time. So I was really worried that we had an hour and 37 minutes in the books. Luckily it was recovered and I'm very happy about that. So, um, yeah, that was very lucky. But yeah, a little behind how the sausage is made there.
0: Yeah, it's not great. Not great. That was nerve wracking. I think I'm gonna like record my end. Like I'm gonna record it on my end as well from now on.
1: We should probably do that. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. But that—that's work you would have to do, Dave. I don't. You know? uh,
0: yeah, and it's one of those things that definitely <laughs> I say I'm going to do that I will literally never do. <laughs> but I, I. But if I say it right now, it kind of comforts me. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, especially cause like the NFL draft is actually, so it's uh four o'clock West Coast time. Uh, what is it? Seven o'clock there. The, the NFL draft starts in about an hour. Um, so I definitely want to watch that. So I wouldn't want to have to like record that all over again. There's nothing. That would be the worst. You know, it's like, so you're
0: one of these people who's been convinced that that's something worth watching.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. Like
0: you, just say, it. yes, you are. You're one of those people who has been convinced that sitting and watching like three and a half hours of dudes getting picked to play, not playing, but getting picked to play a sport like it's like watching um, like it's the equivalent of watching like a group of eight year olds pick friends to play kickball. Um, and you're just you're fine devoting three and a half hours of your time to watching that. Um, on a Thursday night. Especially at the fine. beginning. That's fine. I just wanted to be clear to everyone out there.
1: The beginning. And then, like, the email we got about, like, just the strategy involved. Like, there's a lot that goes into it, you know? And a lot of people thought Darnold was going to go number one. And now they're saying he's not. And then Cleveland's going to do something else. Does Cleveland, like, screw things up? Where does Rosen go? I mean, there's all kinds of really interesting stuff in the beginning of the draft. I think after a while it, well, the, it w- the, the,
0: the, the, What I can't get past, really, is the, the stupidity. Because there's, like, basic economics to all of this, right? Which is, and if you do any kind of analysis of these picks, like, the hit rate is so low, you should never draft in the top five. Ever. You should always trade down. Always, always, always. If you, guys, if you think of guys that can't miss, guess what? He could definitely miss. You don't want to invest that much money in a guy in the top five. Just trade down, get multiple picks, get multiple tries, and just go for it then. But don't draft in the top five.
1: Yeah, I, I would to love say. to do like some statistical analysis on all of this stuff. Um, you know, with the math background and everything. It just seems to me on the surface, I haven't like dug into it and like become an expert, but it always seems when you trade one thing that's really good for a bunch of other things that are still pretty good, the bunch of other things always works out. Like um when when the Minnesota Vikings traded you know, for Herschel Walker, and they basically give up their whole draft. The Cowboys took that and built a dynasty off of it, you know. Um, we see the Patriots do this all the time. They just trade down and get more picks and get more picks. Um, it never seems to work out. Like, if you are you want to go get RG3 and you give up a lot to crap, you know, um, does it really work out? I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it works out all that often. I guess with the Rams, they got Jared Goff, and he seems to be really good. But for the most part, it seems like you're always going to be better, like Dave said, by trading down and getting more picks. It seems like there's a lot more value there than getting that one shiny object that may or may not work out.
0: Yeah, and I think it's just, I mean, it's all about diversification of risk, right? If you only take your whatever, your seven draft picks, and you don't trade down, you have seven shots to get a guy who's going to make an impact so you can keep your job or whatever, you can win enough games or whatever. Um, if you trade out of the first If you trade out of the first pick, like what the bounties that teams have gotten for the first pick. I mean, I remember one year, uh, I think somebody traded out of the it might have been the first pick might have been top three. They got two other picks in that draft plus first rounders in the subsequent next two drafts. So they got four picks for one. And unless you think that a guy picked in the top five is like, I don't know, what would the math be? Seventy five percent more likely to hit than anybody else which isn't true. Like it's not, that's not the way it works. It's actually a much flatter curve than that. Um there's no reason to to not do that trade. You should always trade down. Always always always. Yeah. Even if it's even if it's Andrew Luck, even if it's Peyton Manning, always trade down because there's just you're going to build a solid team and then you'll catch lightning in a bottle with a quarterback at some point. You just will If you do it long enough, if you continue, I mean, if you trade down and you take 10 or 11 picks in the draft, go draft two quarterbacks. Whatever, who cares? (laughs) Draft like a third rounder and a fifth rounder, and have them both be quarterbacks. Who cares? Because you have more picks now; they're extra picks.
1: I don't don't know if I trust Dave on this stuff. You know, he's the kind of guy that thinks like you should always go for it on fourth down. You know, especially when you're across the 50. Like that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I believe
0: in math. It's this weird thing. (laughs)
1: You should punt. You know, if you're at the the opposing forty, it's fourth and one. Just punt. Pin them. De- pin them deep. Come on. It's That's- just.
0: It's all so stupid. And I think <laughs> like we always. And this is a common theme for me. But we always convince ourselves that people are competent, that the people who have been entrusted in roles are competent, despite everyone's personal experience being that people they know are largely incompetent. But you believe these other people who you don't know are good at their jobs because somebody has entrusted them with that job. No. GMs are largely bad at their jobs the same way everyone is largely bad at their job. Yeah. That's just that's life. And you have to understand that, and it's groupthink at such a like it's such a minute level. What other industry only has 32 of those jobs, right? And so these guys don't get challenged by other market forces. Like you've got the Patriots doing one thing and basically 31 teams doing the other thing. The Patriots are constantly trading down. If you follow their drafts, they're constantly trading down. And that's not because they're set. That's not because they're good. It's part of why they're good. Yeah, they're constantly getting value picks. That's, that's it. That's that's all I have to say about that's the your episode. that's
1: your rant. That's me. I like it's a good rant, Dave. I, I like it. You know, it's, it's funny. I think one of those things when you go to college, like, you learn whatever classes you're taking. But the, one of the things I learned was, yeah, people can be real idiots. Like, you have like I had a friend. Uh, who was like valedictorian of her class, uh, became a doctor, and like you know you've like held her hair while she was puking in the toilet before, and yeah. now she's like treating patients and doing stuff You're like so that like you grow up like thinking like well doctors are like these godlike people like no they're your drinking buddies that just they're smart and do do things well and they become a doctor you know so it's
0: like right yeah <laughs> it's, right it's and stuff. and like there's pr- obviously there's probably less of a failure rate at doctors they have to go to school for like. A million years like they have to like really learn some stuff and so yeah there's probably a barrier to entry for them but like a gm like most of them are former players yes that's the barrier to entry being good at the sport do you know what's different from being good at the sport being able to evaluate the sport these are two different things yeah nobody no. nobody acknowledges
1: that usc fans know that pretty well when they hire like you know former players as athletic directors instead of people that have been athletic directors before but you know They
0: fall into this overconfidence bias where this is this happens at all levels of everything. But you get so much information about a guy like say you're the Browns. You've been evaluating these quarterbacks for so long. You have PIs digging up information about all of these guys. That's useless in determining whether or not they'll be an NFL player. But you get so much information that you convince yourself that, you know, everything. That you know exactly how it's going to turn out for them. And you just buy in so hard to the amount of the analysis that you don't even consider whether or not it is in any way validating for your position. Just you have all of this information. So you're like, okay, we we know the ins and outs. We feel confident about taking this guy now.
1: Yeah. Hey, one real quick thing. So um, I've seen on Twitter right now, Shea Patterson is uh, immediately eligible for Michigan. So the transfer from Old Miss. Uh, so oh. there was some question there. that's probably good for people in the future if a coach screws up and the kids transfer out let them be eligible right away Um,
0: yeah sure
1: yeah so nice uh do we have anything else i think that was it huh
0: that's it
1: i think so Um, we've got yeah we had the we had the emails we had the texts. send us some voicemails um let us know and we'll try to put up All of the data, well, by the time you're listening to this, all of the data from our draft should be up there. So help us determine a winner. Maybe we'll do a Twitter poll or something. I don't know. We'll figure that out.
0: I didn't really sell my team very well. I I think people are going to um, probably vote for yours.
1: I don't know. Let's see. I mean, it's like, what are you going to do? You know, but yeah, yeah. That's, uh, you know, I would vote for me, but you know, that's, that's... yeah. Well, of course you would. (laughs) It sounded like you would vote for me. So, Maybe we just declare no no a no. no.
0: <sighs> just because I say you're better, I mean this could be a whole psychology thing for me. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Tell the, the listeners that don't like you when you say mm-hmm. Ryan's better, they're gonna go. I don't like mm-hmm. Dave. I'm gonna pick Dave. There we go. Maybe yeah, that's sit. what's going on here.
0: Yeah. I, I like that you think that there are listeners who don't like me.
1: I wouldn't think that. I. I, I miss, <laughs> like, we know I wouldn't that, think right? That I know it for certain. <laughs> I would think most, no, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Beautiful. Well, now that you're responding to people's texts, then maybe that'll be... uh...
0: I know. I know. And I went on the peristyle that one time and responded to people. I'm a man of the people. Yeah. If you say something negative about me, I will be there in a flash.
1: (laughs) It's not that you just hate people. You hate people in general, but if they're going to say something bad about you, you need to engage them. So that's good.
0: Well, I like to engage them with the spirit of uh, goodwill. You right. know, I like to. I like I, I. I treat people who despise me a lot better than people who like me.
1: <laughs> That's so. I gotta. I gotta talk a little more trash on the.
0: You're the right. Topic. No, you've definitely gotta gotta send some more insulting texts.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know. Think it was our best show, but
0: not our best. Uh, maybe our worst, but definitely not our best.
1: <laughs> it's probably closer to the worst side, but. We had lots of compliments in the emails and stuff, so thank you for that.
0: Yeah, and that one guy who's like, wow, this show's great, and then he listened to this turd, and it's like, wow, <laughs> I have got better ways to spend almost two hours of my life.
1: A part of me was kind of wishing that the show got trashed. I don't know when we've been able to record it again, but I thought, I would have loved to like <laughs> –
0: I, I felt like we were doing well through the draft stuff, and then we just fell off a cliff. And usually we do our best when we're answering questions, but this one just I, – I don't know. It don't was know. weird.
1: Maybe it was more text this time. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. And it started, it started off with a stupid UCLA spring game, man. That just wasn't a good one to start with.
0: No. No.
1: <sighs> we'll yeah. see. All right. Well, that guy over there is David Woods, the one you love to hate. Uh, I'm Ryan Abraham. I don't know if you hate me, you love me, whatever, but we do appreciate it. Uh, You listening, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to our little show, and we will talk to you next time.